You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. We've been doing this series, Ephesians, how Jesus creates a new people in a new world. (laughs) And today we're looking at a whole new way of relating. I've got to be honest, I have loved the book of Ephesians. I almost feel like, uh, you know, I'm in a convertible car and the top is down and it's a sunny day and I've just been driving along on this rich theology, enjoying who God is. And then today, if we're really honest, it can feel like I've hit a speed bump. (laughs) Maybe not one, but two or three. I guess this passage feels so at odds with how many of us think and feel today. Yeah, I'll be honest, I can feel nervous talking about this. And it's not surprising because on the coffee and chat last week, everyone was saying to me, what are you going to say, Pete? I guess if you landed on planet Earth today, if you were a Martian and turned up on planet Earth and you saw the word submission, I guess it would be connected with weakness. It's the boxer, the cage fighter that loses. It's the politician who does not want to accept the vote. I guess it's often connected to surrender or resignation. The reality is that our society doesn't want to think about submission. We want to think about individual expression. We want you do you. We want I did it my way. I guess as well, if you think about the whole mix of society, we're much more focused on our rights than our responsibility. In fact, if anything, we're a little bit anti the establishment. We don't want to submit. Society is even becoming more and more polarised with AI and the algorithms on the computer. Barack Obama said that, didn't he, just about America this week. You know, they got further and further apart as a nation. I guess the danger is that we are experiencing the dissolving of absolute truth. And instead, we're taking on more subjective truth. Pope Benedict said this. We are moving towards a dictatorship of relativism, which does not recognise anything as for certain and which has as its highest goal one's own ego and one's own desires. Wow. And then we come to this passage. Ephesians 5 verse 21 says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hey, before I jump into this, let's just say a couple of caveats. I believe that the Bible is true. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. I believe this is truth. I don't believe it's subjective truth. I believe it's absolute truth. I do not believe that when Paul was writing this passage, we could say, golly, that's a strange bit. That's a bit of a, a weird one. We know that he said very similar things to the Colossians, Colossians 3, verses 18 to 25. We know that Peter says very similar things in 1 Peter 2, verses 18 to 3, verse 7. So this sort of concept of a new way of relating appears three times in scriptures. I guess what I do love about it is the church was diverse. There were slaves and masters in the church. 
adults and children, husbands and wives. We love diversity in the church. And the other thing I just want to say, and then I'm going to get on to submit, is that equality of worth is not the same as identical roles. And I hope we'll unpack that this morning. Okay, so let's stop and think about the word submit. Submit, biblical submission, is a strong theme throughout the Bible. James 4 verse 7 said, submit yourselves to God. To become a Christian is one that submit to him. I'm thrilled that four people are getting baptised because what they're really saying is I submit to Jesus as my Lord. We know from Romans 13 verse 5 that we are to submit to authorities. Hey, look, I find it really difficult that we're not meeting physically as a church, but we've just felt it's right to submit to our authorities. It's not to say that we don't question what they're saying. It's not to say that we're not going to try, but actually we're submitting. Hebrews 13, 17 says that we are to submit to leaders in the church. Yet so often our scientists say, do it your way, what's right for you. That's not what the Bible says. And then we land on this in Ephesians 5, verse 21, submit to one another. Richard Kokin uh, he is um, uh, an author that I've been reading this week, says this, since God's Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, yeah, since God's Trinity is ordered with God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit, gladly submitting to God, the Father. So he has designed all human relationships, including marriage with authority, exercise lovingly and submission given willingly without any implication of superiority or inferiority. So let's roll up our sleeves and dig in. Husbands and wives. This is the first illustration that Paul gives. Now I uh, recognize that since the fall, since the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve doing their own thing, that too often women have been marginalised and oppressed. And whether that directly or indirectly, this passage is being used to back that up. And I'm truly sorry for that. However, I don't think the solution to wrong truth is no truth, but hopefully right truth. Kathy Keller, <laughs> I'm often quoting Tim, but Kathy Keller says this, I hope to show going forward gender roles as with all God's gifts to human beings are to be rejoiced in and enjoyed, not endured and resented. I'm aware that as a society, we still need help with how we do marriage. The Office for National Statistics published data this week showing that last year 107,599 opposite-sex divorces occurred in 2019. That is almost 20% up the divorce rate on the previous year. And the article suggests that we are heading for a post-lockdown divorce boom. Paul writes and says, wives submit. Wives submit to your husband. The illustration that he then compares this to is the church submitting to Jesus as the head. I'm going to say, therefore, this is not mutual submission. 
And I know that some have tried to look at that. Sadly, I sometimes think we can slip into this with Christianity. We think, oh, you know, I submit to Jesus, Jesus submits to me. No, Jesus is Lord and as Christians, we submit to him. Paul is taking that picture here and saying, wives, you are to submit to your husband. I don't think submission is mindless. I look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's saying, Father, take this cup from me, but hey, not my will, yours. Why are the wives the one that are submitting? Well, I go back to Kathy Keller. I found her very helpful in this. If men and women are equal in dignity but different, why is the husband the head? I think the truest answer is we simply don't know. Why was Jesus the son, the one who submitted and served? Why wasn't it the father? We don't know, but we do know that it was a sign of his greatness and not his weakness. I love that. Just the way it points out, hey, Jesus submitted, but that's not weakness, that's greatness. Jesus was perfect. Husbands love. Doesn't actually say lead, it says husbands love your wife. Three times Paul writes to the husbands and says, love, love, love your wife. Now, one time he uses the illustration of a husband's own body and he says, look, actually, come on, you, you literally, you, you're fit and you feed it, you, know, you do your exercise. Maybe some of us feed it and flop in front of the telly, I don't know. But generally, we look after our own body, we brush our own teeth, we floss at night. Hey, come on, if you love your body, love your wife. But actually, again, he goes on to, it's Jesus and the church. Jesus gave himself up for her he left all the glory of heaven he was born a child he was overlooked and despised he was eventually hung naked on a cross and died shameful and rejected because he loved the church Mm -hmm. husband love your wives look i would love to talk more about this and unfortunately time is running out of me so i just wanted to recommend a couple of books if you're trying to work out how do we relate in a new way the meaning of marriage tim and kathy keller fantastic they unpack ephesians 5 it's literally just that bit i would recommend that i'd also recommend this book love and respect the love she most desires the respect he desperately needs And I know that those um, titles have been put into the feed. So if you think, hey, I'd like to work on my marriage. Lockdown has been a tough time. Then I'd encourage you to get a hold of those books. Children and parents. The way we think about families has changed massively from the time of Paul. The 2004 Children Education Act, we came with this policy, every child matters. And in many respects, we've now swapped from Paul in that we now probably have a child-centred society. (laughs) You know, you're happy on holiday if your kids are entertained. You go out for dinner as long as there's something for the kids to do. In the passage here, children are asked to obey their parents. Children obey. Look, my kids are older now. Some of you don't know. My my kids are 25, 23 and 21. When they were young and I asked them to do something, sometimes, I don't know, please, could you do this? And it's almost a little bit of a standoff. I would count to three. One, two, three. And, and partly it was like, who's going to back down first? Is it me or you? And, and I sort of thought I was giving them time to think about it. I was probably giving them time to think about, is dad really serious? Paul says, no, actually, your kids are to obey straight away. 
I would want to challenge you if you're a believer, your kids are not your mission, take your kids on mission. And sometimes I think even in our Christian faith, I've seen so many people that are really going for God and then suddenly a child turns up and, and look, they want to get the best school and they want to do all these events and activities, you know, they're going to do ballet and, they're going, and I'm not against any of that, but they just lose their passion for God. Come on, let's make sure that they know who's in charge. I think it's been wonderful what Sarah has been doing, the things that she's been getting the families to do. I know this week they've done prayer and sharing, I think it's reading the Bible. I encourage you, come on, disciple your kids. Parents, invest in your children. That's what I see here. It's funny because many would say at Paul's time there was lots of ways of doing society, but actually that you know they none of them would have written to the wives or the children or to the slaves. Whereas Paul does that. But he also does write to the fathers and the parents and say, come on, invest. Invest in your kids. Now I am very proud of my kids. The honest truth is a lot of that is down to my wife. They always say, don't they, that overnight success has taken 20 years. I know that Nikki didn't pursue a career as much because she gave herself to her kids. I know when I say, oh, come on, help me out with church stuff. She said, oh, no, my first thing is my kids. I encourage you, invest in your kids. Again, I read this this week. It takes the church to raise kids, so turn up. It takes the gospel to raise kids, so speak up. <laughs> it takes God to raise kids, so pray up. I encourage you. And again, there's so much more that I'd like to say and haven't got time, so I'm going to recommend this book. It says The 60 Minute Father by Rob Parsons. Look, I think it's for mums and dads. If, if being a parent, I think it's a huge privilege and call, take some time to read and learn and do the best that you can. Slaves and masters. Again, this is a very emotive topic. For all of us today, we think of the horrific African slave trade that went on for hundreds of years and 13 million brutally taken from their home and sold in harsh conditions and dying on transport. And oh, it, it makes you feel sick about this. I don't know why. Slavery was slightly different from Paul's day, so maybe that's why he didn't ban it. There was more slaves actually in Paul's day. It's probably closer to a servant, almost like a, a companion in the house. I know that many Christians have spoken out against slavery since, obviously Wilberforce. And, and Dr. Martin Luther King, who I was going to say it wasn't slavery, but he wanted to see social justice come. I think there is a challenge for all of us today. It's not slavery in the same as we think of in the past, but there are 40 million slaves, they reckon, on the earth today. One in four of those are children, 71% are women mm. or girls. They reckon there's 138 caught up in slavery in the UK. I do think there's a real challenge for us. Having said that, I do, I believe the Bible is not meant to be a map, but a compass. It's not this detailed thing. And I think the, the principles here are true for us in the world of work. I think if you're an employee, work as you would for Jesus. Do your best. He's watching you all the time. In fact, uh, your daily grind is your daily worship. 
Some of us, let's be honest, you're working from home and the boss can't see. <laughs> you might log on and then be walking away and doing all sorts of stuff. Now, actually, Paul says, come on, if you're, if you're a believer, work well. You do it for Jesus. If you're an employer, treat your staff well. One day you'll give an account to God. Again, one of the commentators I read this week says, for the triumphant victory of the cross over evil powers is not only demonstrated in church on Sunday, it is displayed when Christians from every background submit to the rule of Christ in our homes and workplaces from Monday to Saturday as well. You see, if we're going to have this whole new community that we believe Jesus is building through the church, that must impact our whole life. And so, yeah, I've got a book that I'm going to recommend. Bit of reading. Come on, let's keep Amazon busy. Ken Costa, God at Work. And you think, how does being a Christian impact me in my marriage, my family and my job? I would thoroughly recommend that. And I believe that's gone into the link too. I know that some of you say, Pete, do we submit in everything? I'm going to suggest that there are a few exceptions. I'm probably skating on thin ice now. I can't deny I've said it, it'll be on YouTube. I think if things are immoral, should we submit? We know, don't we, that the Egyptian midwives were asked to kill the baby boys from the Hebrews that were slaves in Egypt at the time, and they didn't do it because it was immoral, and God blessed them. I'm gonna ask the question, should Christian doctors and nurses be involved in abortions? Should we submit if it's idolatrous? We know, don't we, that um, the the Babylonians have taken the Jews into captile these uh, into captivity. These these three men that were doing really well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were asked to bow before the king's statue. It was worship, and they chose not to do it. They chose not to submit. Should believers join in multi-faith services? Is that right? We know in the New Testament that the apostles did not submit when the Sanhedrin said to them, hey, we don't want you talking about Jesus anymore. They literally brought them in and you can read about it in Acts 4. They said, who should we obey, man or God? Should we keep quiet about who Jesus is? Is that right? Are there some possible exceptions? Anyway, let's uh, land this sermon. Paul is teaching here that there is no sacred secular divide. Jesus is Lord of all. That's why we baptise people. They've died to themselves and they say, I live for Jesus. Paul has challenged them These are the actions that I want you to pursue. But even in this very practical way, there's a motivation. Just quickly look at it. Wives submit, why? Because Christ is the head. Husbands love, because Jesus sacrificed for you. Kids obey, because there's a promise. Fathers train, because we're all being discipled. Slaves obey, as if for Christ. Masters, treat them well, because one day you give an account to God. And I think if we go back, to Ephesians 5, 21, we get the biggest motivation for all of this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Jesus taught the disciples in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. He taught actually we're to submit and to serve. We know that he didn't just teach it. We know that he did it. It would be wrong of me to have a sermon like this and not to refer surely to the Last Supper. John 3, Jesus knew. John 13, sorry. John 13, verse 3 to 5. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel. This was the the picture of submission, a servant. Jesus not only taught it, he not only modelled it. We know that this is what took him to the cross. Paul in Philippians 2 says Jesus set the ultimate example. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Powerful, powerful words in your relationships with one another. It's like this new community. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If you've been listening, I think this is week 10. I'm beginning to lose track. We've been looking at Ephesians Chapters one to three is theology. I've always said chapter four to six is the practical. And we've looked today at the relating. The last few verses of chapter three, I believe is a bit like the pin in the hinge. That means the two bits can come together. And do you know what that is? It's about being filled with the spirit. And you might listen today and think, Pete, I don't know if I can submit. I don't don't think I'm doing a great job of loving I think I am getting exasperated with the kids. I'm struggling at work. That is why we need to be filled with the Spirit. It's not just here on a Sunday. It's not just part of something now. This makes all the difference 24-7. I encourage you, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ.